Hello and welcome back to another episode of Going Through the Motions with me, Callum. And me, Alex. How's it going, guys? The podcasting equivalent of biting your tongue during an important work call and trying to fight off the tears. <laughs> Something that's all too relatable for me at this moment in time. I'd, Very. Uh, had a demoness Skype call the other, uh, at the, sort of the beginning of the week. And... Uh, and I, and it, it was a double, it was like a one-two punch because not only was I in pain, but I was trying to sort of like rub my tongue. It was such a sore bite. Like it was a real bite down. And I, I caught the side of my tongue and I, it was the point, it was as on the pain of biting your tongue rating, it was enough pain for me having to massage it gently with my fingers. But in doing so, the second punch came when the person who was hosting the video conference went, what do you think about that, Callum? Do you think that's a good idea? I have no idea what he was talking about. Right. <laughs> Hang on. I need a bit of context here. Oh, God. <laughs> you, know, you know the phrase biting your tongue? Yeah. Despite... You actually bite your tongue, right? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just like a parallel for when you want to say something, but you know you shouldn't. You know yeah. you don't actually have to bite your tongue, right? Yeah. Or do you know that? No, I, I know what you're saying. I know you, I, yeah, bite, you've got to bite your tongue because you, have, you can't say your thoughts because you're going to look like an arse or whatever reason. You've got yeah. to bite your thoughts. But, exactly. but what my question to you is, in those moments, do you, are you actually biting your tongue? Is no, that why? I, would, I had no idea. No, it was, I can't remember why. I think something was said and I disagreed with it. And I did, yeah, you're right. I must have went to bite my tongue, but I think I was like writing down a note or whatever. This is, I, I, I don't even know what, what the context of it was. I always, all I'll remember is massaging it gently like I was playing a tiny violin, rolling my thumb through my finger, uh, through my tongue, through my thumb and finger. And then they went, okay, and Callum, what do you think about that? And I, I had absolutely no idea what to, what, to, what to say or what to answer because I had no context of the question that's being asked. Um, yeah. When when I was at university, though, I picked up on a really great tip. It's one of one of the um, one one of the mechanical engineering professors at the university that I went to um, basically had a habit of falling asleep through student presentations because obviously in the afternoon he'd had his lunch, he'd been he'd been sat through the presentations all morning and he just couldn't be arsed. But he did this amazing <laughs> he did this amazing thing where he had the ability to ask a question on the spot. And he knew it would come around every time a presentation would finish. It was his turn on as one of the panel members to ask a question. And yeah. when it got to this professor, let's just call him Dr. Dr. Uh, Dr. Smith. When it got to Dr. Smith, Dr. Smith would just sort of wake up a little bit, make it look like he wasn't sleeping the whole time and then just go. And how does that, how, how does it affect it when you apply heat? Now, the beauty of that question is no matter what the student was presenting, that's a valid question because almost well, yeah, every it, single mechanical. Is that not like in psychiatry when they say it and how does that make you and feel? How does it make you feel? It was brilliant. It was, it was so great. And I, pick, I picked up on this pressure doing it and I went, bloody genius. Bloody genius. So I'm yet to try and find out my current work version of and how does, how does heat affect that? I think I'm, I'm coming along the lines of as long as I'm in a call with more than one person throwing someone else under the bus, I'm all okay with that. But what do you think about this and putting yeah. someone else under the bus? But what I'm fascinated by is this revelation that when you're metaphorically biting your tongue, you're actually literally biting your tongue. Quite literally. And what, and what, and what that makes me wonder is what other parallels are you doing physically? Do you know when you're biding your time and uh -huh. you're waiting for, are yes. you literally sitting on your arse looking at your watch, just 
What does biding the... mean? What is, is that? That's one of these words that surely that's on its way out. Biding. What do you think biding actually the the definition of biding means? Nah, I was I was afraid you were going to ask me that. Is I it have just? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> is it just sat on your arse, just slapping your knees, just humming a wee tune? That surely is biding. It's, yeah. it's, it's up there with one of, one of the words is just like, just it, it's letting, this, letting the seconds tick by, just bite, biding away. <laughs> Speaking of biding yeah. our time. Uh, we are a music and movies podcast. <laughs> we uh, look at our favorite movies and sometimes our least favorite movies. We look into the movies and discuss maybe why they've chosen certain songs, why they've chosen certain styles of music, um, what that composer has done in the past, what he did in the future, what he's looking to do, maybe some sort of scandals that that composer has been attached to in the, in the, in the recent years, what his bedroom looks like when we and Alec, Alex and I look in through his bedroom and sort of see how he's laid out his, his flat and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of like what his daily routine is, what a list of yeah. his fears are. <laughs> what anything else? signature looked like on the restraining order that he filed against us. What exactly what the signature, what the restraining order looks like. Uh, but before we crack on into our uh, movie this week, now we, you'll notice up top this is another special. This is a special that we sort of hold quite close to our heart. But before we, before we really uh, dive into that, uh, Alex, have you seen anything on the tube this week? Oh, wait. <laughs> The tube doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> the tube doesn't exist, but on the on the plus side of that, it means I'm not splashing out on a monthly travel pass. Yeah, the monthly the travel pass are April. being omitted are being omitted at the moment, which is is nothing but wonderful. Uh, yes, that's a hundred quid to spend this month. Is it really? Yeah, hundred quid. That's hundred quid there. Um, can you tell me, though, Alex, some of the most favorite things that have made you chuckle from the creativity that has come from planet Earth during our current coronavirus crisis? Has anything tippled your, uh, tippled your fancy this, this week? Anything you want to share or, or mention up top? Uh, you, mean apart, you mean apart from the anaconda? No, what was the anaconda? Uh, maybe I'll... Nah, you know what the anaconda... You know what the anaconda... What's the mo- what's the biggest meme that's been shared? Oh, uh, it's it's our man. I know his name. I tracked down his name. So I've got a funny story to this. Basically, the the we found his his name because we're we're attached to a, a fam one of our family group chats. Uh, we're deciding to do a sort of quiz night this evening, and we've all been given a we've all been given a task of some of a of a quiz uh, category to come up with, and uh, <laughs> turns out well. It, it's uh we believe that his name is john wood because one of the members of the group chat just commented when he said i want to come up with a name of a category i want to do the life and times of john wood and posted a photo of that lovely chap nice and close sat at the end of his bed looking really presentable underneath it it says quarantine day nine finally got dressed <laughs> got here. i don't think his name is john wood is it? Is it not? It doesn't look like a John Wood, does it? I, because I read, I read an article about him as well, because this thing has taken the internet by storm. <laughs> but actually, what is his name? a slightly more like somber kind of article I read is the publicity of this photo. The, the guy that took the photo wants to get some kind of monetary proceedings to the, guy, the subject's family, because apparently, oh, best of luck, mate. apparently he's dead. <laughs> Oh God, he's dead, Alex. Yeah, I mean, that's what. How, how did he die? Did they find out it was a growth all along? <laughs> it was. Mate, sort of... 
<laughs> Google it because I th- I think it's true. <laughs> oh God! No, that's surely a wind up. When was it posted? Was it April first that article oh. was posted? Hang on a minute. Was it April first? Was when it was posted? If I it was, that will be the funniest thing I've ever seen. If you genuinely come on here and decided to lower lower the tone by uh, pulling the mask off of all of this fun banter with a large black man with his knob out, and you've just decided to lower the tone only to realize that it's an April Fool all along. Uh, someone write in. Someone write in. We need to get to the bottom of this. We need to try and track this guy down. I've looked a right fool if that's the case, but, <laughs> but uh, if not, then, you know. It's wonderful. It is just wonderful. It's what I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed that video that you sent me, which actually I saw literally about a minute. Is it the one that you, I, am I, are you allowed to talk about it on here? Before we go any further, is it the one that I sent you that's not, or is it the good one? Because no, no, one of them was one. unacceptable. The Sammy J one. Oh, the Sammy J one, right, okay. I thought it was the other one. Yeah, yeah. keep going. No, the Sammy J one, where he is sitting in his home theatre, by the way. I know, the, I know. I've got thoughts about this. I know. I've got thoughts about this. He's, 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 sat, he's sat in like, it looks like these lovely leather chairs and he's clearly got all of his yeah. movies and stuff behind behind him i mean yeah the, the you would have a home theater if you were sammy j though wouldn't you of course you would i mean he for quite a few years he's been the highest paid actor in hollywood is that right i didn't know that yeah like he's made more money than you know tom cruise and brad pitt Leo well, it's the dwayne johnson i think is the one that's pipped him to the post recently is it not he's been I, the one that's i think you're probably right i yeah. think you're probably yeah. Fair play to him. It's interesting. It's interesting that they both have like similar roles in in Hollywood, and that like they do anything well, and everything. Oh, well, they're the action hero role, aren't they? That's the one that brings in the brings in the dosh. Anyway, you were saying about the home theater that Sammy J has in his, well, his video. Thing is, he's reciting a poem, <laughs> a very Tarantino-y Sammy J kind of poem, where he's basically commenting on the coronavirus, and it's like a public service announcement that says stay the fuck at home <laughs> and it's like a it's like a sort of nursery rhyme children's book isn't it that he's reading exactly he's at, yeah i'm like he's reading it from a book i'm like has somebody published this has somebody made this like yeah what is this but the, the issue i have with it as as entertaining and as funny as i found it i i find i found issue in the fact that it's all well and good these people telling you to stay at home They've got home cinema. That's it. Yeah. So this they've, is. I mean, I, cavernous, cavernous, cavernous mansions in the LA hills. Which, by the way, they could still leave their house and go for their daily exercise around those Hollywood hills. Yeah. And still, and and still be self-isolating stuff. And then when they come back, they've got games rooms. They've got pools. They've got, they've got garages, pools, cinemas. All of the all of this stuff. And what, what do we have? We've got single single bedroom flats. Oh, steady on me. I've got. I've got a bloody. Uh, I've got two fans in this flat. I'm the time of my life over here. I got multi. I got multiple. I got windows facing north and south. Very, very good. Very good. <laughs> we my have two different being, climates. You could walk. You could walk. You could walk from one end of your flat to the other in ten paces. Yeah, I could crawl in ten paces. I could hold my breath yeah. as I did it. Yeah, and it's like yeah. It's it's very easy for you to say stay at home when you're in this castle. Whereas Sammy J's got to put his hiking boots on. 
He wants exactly. to try and make an effort from the West Wing to the East Wing. It's it's like exactly. did you, I take it you saw the uh, the Gal Gadot Imagine All the People video. I mean that has just oh, yeah. been ripped senselessly. That was cringe. It was horrendous. And in fact, spe- speaking of that video, there's a really great YouTuber. I forget his name, but remind me. I'm going to link it in the uh, the, the description of this episode. Who he's a musician. Uh, he's a YouTuber musician who decided to take it upon himself to put backing music to all of their singing and kind of find out what key they all sing in and at what. Uh, and, and sort of the, they're all at different keys and different tempos and it's really funny just watching this guy slowly lose his mind he sort of starts he starts like oh nice we're in a nice key of c or whatever and then it changes and it sort of goes up gradually in whole tones and then it, someone else comes in with just a horrendous it's so funny i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna put it on here it's, it's really really good uh but 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 yeah. you can do it right celebrities can do it right what about simon Pegg and nick frost video a couple of weeks oh, ago yeah. that they launched how brilliant was that <laughs> They are class, aren't they? They they clearly understood the audience. They clearly understood, you know, filming it in just the modest kitchen and just and just recreating that amazing scene from Shaun of the Dead where they're planning out the uh, planning. It out made the... me very happy. Yeah, it was great. It was really great, actually, wasn't it? it made me very very happy. Uh, before we before we go on as well, Alex, did you um did you clap? Were you clapping? Where are you off to? You suddenly of disappeared off screen. Of course, you I did. Clapping on Thursday nights. Amazing, uh, amazing. I, yeah, I, I know it's a thing. It's something that obviously. So, my, I mean, my brother's in, in in the NHS, and he's he's working he's working very hard. Shout out to you there, Chris. Um, I know he he, lis- he loves the show. He listens every week. Uh, but it it I think it was a really amazing thing that that's being. Who's organised it? Was it the BBC that organised it, or someone came up with it? But I, it, it's a fantastic. Genuinely, I have no idea. I, I don't know where it's come it. from. I I heard about it through one of my mates. I was. Uh, playing playing Xbox with literally nice. about half an hour before it happened last Thursday, the, so okay. the first night it happened, and I was like, "What's this? I've got I've literally have no idea what it, what this is." And then he was like, "Oh no, look it up. It's quite important. It's quite yeah. a big deal." And was everyone clapping on your street? Were they? Yeah. Well, actually, my my bedroom window looks out over onto like a communal a garden communal space, court, yeah. and everyone was clapping out there yeah. and stuff. But like there was no sound, and it was just clapping and. This this week it was even like bigger. The yeah. First week it was just uh. Sorry, there was an I alarm say, going off there before. I don't know if you. Heard oh, I, I can't hear. <laughs> I, I say just, but it was still pretty moving, like a good clap. It was, the, wasn't it? It was quite moving, but, quite cathartic, wasn't it? Quite this a... week, but this week there there was cheers and whooping. It went on for about twice as long as it did. Uh huh first night and it's just like people are really coming together in yeah this it was it was sent shivers down your spine almost didn't it It was quite moving I, yeah. I thought it was lovely and obviously the bbc uh and and the tv channels were putting it live around the country and you could see it on down i loved it loved it yeah it's great excellent Well, this week on the show, we have decided to rest on uh, sort of some of our more favorite pieces of cinema. We've decided to go back to the very beginning. We're cast your minds back to 2008 when um, 
uh, a lesser-known superhero by the name of Iron Man graced the silver screens all around the world. Little did we know at this point in time that this was the first of many movies from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This week on the show, we're going to discuss phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, before we go any further, Alex, what is phase one? What does that mean? And at what point did this thing really start to build traction for you? Well, I was thinking about this. I mean, we, we're currently, we're, we finished phase three, right? Yep. Yep, absolutely. So three phases in, and according to articles on the internet, they have planned out up, up to like phase six. That's like mental. These, these are the things we're, we're working on that, that will be released in the mid-20s. Wow. And that's bad to me. Yeah. And, it's, and it's probably them, because there's not only a, a, a movie piece for that, obviously it's the MCU and now owned by Disney, and I guess that's another reason why we're doing this this week, You're celebrating the launch of Disney+. Plus. But we, Yes, finally. Wait, finally, we got to, and, and obviously the MCU movies being on there. But it's, it's, it, is, it is amazing because not only is there the sort of the planning from a movie perspective that we've got to think about, but there's also, there's a lot of... Uh, Organize it. So Sony being one, the Sony Spider-Man thing, Universal owned by I by uh, sorry Hulk being owned by Universal. Uh, we've obviously yeah. had the X-Men starting to fold in from the Fox French from Fox franchise that were bought over by Disney. But it was that was nearly two years ago now. I think is it that long? Yeah, I think it was. So Marvel Phase One, back to Phase One. What was included in Phase One? It was Iron Man. Oh, Phase One was Iron Man, Iron Man Two, uh huh, Incredible Hulk, uh huh. Thor, yes, Captain America, and Avengers Assemble. Yep, amazing. Should we just get stuck in? Yeah. You, let's, what, let's what, what, what's the one that you've watched the most recent out of out of those films? Well, the one I've the one the one that I've watched most recently was the Avengers because yeah. obviously me and my girlfriend are using this quarantine time to watch all the Marvel. Look at you guys, you're reading the Lord Fox of the Rings, you're watching Marvel. This is fun. Yeah. Having a good time. It's it. fun. So it's, I, it's fun. I have some facts, some information, some stuff about the movie and the music of Iron Man. So let, let's get into this. Iron Man, John Favreau, 2008. Did you see this one in the cinema? Yeah. Did we, did we see this one together? I think we saw this one at Ocean Terminal in Edinburgh. I think oh, we did. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. We are, so, we are talking 12 years ago at this point. So because because this, exactly. But, but Iron Man did something amazing because it kind of just, it came in there. It had no expectations of being part of this massive, it, it, it didn't know it was going to grow to this size. Iron Man, Iron Man was a B-list superhero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, look at him now. I wouldn't describe him as a B-list superhero. Exactly. Anymore, would you? The movie starts with ACDC's Back in Black showing the Humvees driving through uh, somewhere in the Middle East with, and it introduces Tony Stark, this billionaire, bil, sorry, billionaire playboy ph- philanthropist. I can't even say that word. I think you got it right. That, now, that, now, that's a line from Avengers. Exactly, exactly. But that's yeah. what you've got. What, take away the iron suit and what are you? But I think that the, the, the use of a lot of the rock music and the ACDC's, uh, in Iron Man, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's a really, yeah, really favorite, great refocus. My favorite, my favorite part of 
Iron Man's character is the fact that his favorite band is ACDC. And, and he, he wears the that. t-shirt. And he also has the Black Sabbath t-shirt as well that he plays, obviously, Black Sabbath doing the song Iron Man that gets played uh, at, the, at the end credits during that famous I Am Iron Man. Uh, I, I think, that, I think the, the, the use of that kind of classic rock music is just fantastic. It was it was yeah. such a refreshing look because up until then, and, and I know I'm not going to say the name of the superhero movie that I'm going to do next week, but I know what I'm going to do next week. And it is a stark contrast to that one from the sort it's of... Pre- a, it's a stark contrast. Oh! To- <laughs> <laughs> I love that, mate. That was really good. Listeners, you should have seen his wee face over there. <laughs> Over the webcam, he had a finger up as he said that. And his eyes were so wide. <laughs> I'm going to keep knocking it. I'm gonna keep... You did, yeah, it's because you didn't, you didn't realize you did it. So you just keep pitching them and I'll just keep <laughs> I'm gonna, it. I said that I'm going to keep setting them up. You just knock them out. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah so basically, uh, some, some, some other piece of music. So who, who you have is you basically, do you know who the, uh, the music composer was for this? Yeah, it was um, Raman Jawadi. That's, or it, that's correct, from Game of Thrones fame. Uh, Hans Zimmer yeah. also had a hand in a lot of these as well. Um, yeah. There was sort of involvement. <laughs> I know, I know you're, a fan of, you're a fan of him. But the, the one that I really like to, to draw attention to on the, the soundtrack of, or the scoring is a piece of music called Driving with the Top Down. And that is a fantastic piece of music because that's the one that's the, 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 the one that you think of when Tony Stark is assembling his suit. He's got his hands out. He's spinning on that rotor and all the machines are putting yeah. it in. And it's that yeah. piece of music. And it starts with um, the, the, the sort of the underlying is a score. And then you can yeah. slowly hear the electric guitar sort of rising into it and then the thing that tops off the thing that makes you go fuck yeah is the drums when it's it's the sort of rock drum kit kicks in and it's and i think that this there's one instrument in the whole thing that just brings it together and it's the the hi-hat on the drums it's it's a it's an open hi-hat that's being used a lot for the drum kit which i just think if you listen back to it again that kind of crashing cymbals together with the rhythmic of the drums along with the guitar and the scoring is just so effective and they rely on it i love the fact in iron man one that the original scoring mirrors the rock and roll lifestyle that yes 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 as and it complements the the tracked soundtrack, you know, the rocks, the rock songs. Uh huh. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get back to. I'm gonna get back to the sort of rockiness in a, in a second there. Um. There's but there's some other really lovely pieces of music. So vacations over was the sort of as a piece of music on the soundtrack. It was the kind of return to normality after he's kind of uh, left the cave. But there's also that kind of you can tell that he's kind of that that famous line of Tony left something in that cave. And it kind yeah. of it dwindles on that sentence, and and I think it's a really really great poignant piece of music where he's and it's it's a it's a complete scoring piece. There's no rock music in it. It's one of the softer pieces of music in the film. And it's, well, you've got to you've got to have these ebbs of ebbs and flows in cinemas. You have uh-huh. to. It doesn't matter how hardcore a movie you've got there. But you've you've always got to have that downtime. You've always got to have that personal touch and i think and i think the charisma that robert downey jr brings to tony stark even when you see him in his kind of 
is most vulnerable is he he does this quite a lot. I don't know if you've noticed this, especially in the early movies. There's a lot of scenes where Tony Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark is just staring. You know what I mean? That kind of just staring off somewhere. Like he's got wide-eyed yeah. stares, like he's thinking. Like there's the clogs are ticking. I don't know if you know what yeah. I'm talking about. I think I do. Yeah, I, I would need to like point it out to you. Next time we sit down and watch these, I'll be like, that, that. What, what's he thinking there? What's going on there? It's, he it's did it so unique to him. He did it a lot in Avengers. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. When, when uh, Agent Coulson dies, he, yes. he the distance a lot. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. The final piece of music that I just wanted to sort of draw out from uh, that I picked up from the score was a piece of music called Mark II. And that's the kind of, I guess, like for lack of a better word, it's a kind of heist music. It's the, it's the montage piece where he's putting together the suit and he's putting the hot rod red on and he's kind of like yeah. designing it. And that whole kind of yeah. like, like I said, it's kind of like a, a mad scientist or a tech scientist yeah. in his lab just piecing it together. I just think it's yeah. so effective, all the music and you, in this you've put to mind, And you've put to mind, I think Iron Man that movie has some of the best suit-up sequences. Yes. yes, it definitely does. Every superhero movie has a suit-up sequence, Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think the best Iron Man suit-up... Well, we'll get to it, but I think the best one is in Iron Man 2 with the, the briefcase. You know the, you know the suit oh, that I'm talking one. about. It's quite think, brief. It's quite oh, a brief. Oh, is it a it's... brief case? <laughs> quite brief, is it? Here we go! <laughs> right back oh, at you. One joining in. He's joining in the fun. Um, but basically, yeah, th- those were the sort of the ones from the soundtrack that stood out to me. Obviously, as we said, back in black, the inclusion of that, the kind of, obviously we've got the scoring, but then the inclusion of normal pieces of music, Black yeah. Sabbath, Iron Man. Great. This, this is a fantastic film. And I think the score is so, I mean, even just like thinking back on this, I remember as a sort of a teenager thinking back on this movie and thinking it was so cool because it used all these ACDC and it was that kind of like really in your face, wasn't it? I I just loved it. It definitely was. It definitely was. It's hard to look, it's hard to rewatch Iron Man 1 in the respect that it is very formulaic as a movie. Yes, Yes, it is. But you give it a pass because yes, it's formulaic, but it formed that formula it did yeah but, yeah and and it, and it, 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 it finds it was the original one like you know the big superhero movie trope is the bad guy the, the bad guy fight at the end the bad guy is basically just a big bad version of the good guy of the good guy exactly so iron man's fighting up iron or iron monger iron monger yeah and then yeah. and, and Obadiah yeah. Stane's character because they used i think initially they wanted to initially they wanted to use the mandarin as the villain um, or yeah, or they did. yeah, they did. So they kind of they kind of leaned leaned on that. And obviously, in the in the the um, obviously the next one was Iron Man two, but the one after that, the Hulk being the Abomination versus the Hulk is exactly the same CGI battle. Exactly, it's just a bit. It's just a big Hulk versus Hulk. Before we and go, before we go on, uh, sorry to interrupt, mate. Before we go on, I know we're we're short of time, but I want to just give you a few sort of little musical uh, fun little trademarks. And I've got a question for you as well, which I know you're going to like. So one thing I was okay. going to say, the 1966 Iron Man theme, so the original theme of it from the, six, the 1966, I think it was the cartoons, can be heard in the casino in Tony Stark's bedroom. And it's also used as Rhodey's ringtone. Kidding. Now, I wouldn't know this one. I had to look that one up. I wouldn't recognize the Iron Man theme if you came to me. Obviously, it wasn't as famous as like the, the Spider-Man theme. Or the Batman. Yeah. No, I would but I will, you know, I will also say that I've said this before. We, we, 
in Britain, I don't think, have grown up with comic book culture in the same way that America has. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. So th- there's a lot of things, you know, we know who Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and Spider-Man are. Spider-Man's, a, Spider-Man's an interesting one because our big first exposure to Spider-Man was at our generation, but obviously Superman and Batman, we've had Hollywood movies of them since the 70s. Yeah. Like, like really, really old. And that's something that we've had in Britain as well but we've not really done the whole comic book thing so no. i know when i know when iron man was coming up i was like iron man yeah yeah Who, there was a little iron bit man? of are they scraping the barrel sort of thing is it like the billion yeah, dollar I, man sort of thing yeah i thought so and i know i i can tell you that in the case of captain america which i'll talk about in a little bit when they announced that that was first coming up i just thought oh captain america yeah i think everyone in the uk rolled their eyes at that one yeah we i know that that's more of a reflection on us isn't it we're yeah, so judgmental so. <laughs> so um i've got another fun fact now here's a quiz question for you mate blank yep. assisted ramen in composing the, the film soundtrack he's also a security guard that gets killed by ironmonger so who famous guitarist assisted ramen in creating the soundtrack so he did the electric guitar pieces for a lot of the scoring and he gets and he gets killed by iron Monday. yeah he, he is a cat he is a cameo as one of the security guards in there oh, okay. this is a, I, I love these questions you do like these don't you right <laughs> okay this is i love i love how we do great podcasting of just just thought we're the first podcast to to promote thought just let's just take a second absolutely <laughs> reasoning because i've been doing quite well out of these you're not bad yeah you're not bad yeah now i will ask you for a little bit of a hint if this guitarist contributed to the score yes would i be able to tell no 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 no, not from the style of guitar no the style that the style of electric guitar that this artist is uses uh has a very distinct style of guitar in their band so they're a member of a band but they, but you wouldn't recognize it, right? What you I'm going to do is, yeah, I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to leave that with you. Okay, come right. back to it, circle back to it. Um, I've okay. got one more. I've got one more bit of. Um, I've got one more bit of trivia from Iron Man, the first Iron Man, as it's known. And um, around the one hour twenty five minute, when Pepper discovers Tony removing the damaged Iron Man armor, Captain America's shield can be seen sitting on a workbench. This is the same scene it was shown. Oh, hang on. This isn't what I meant to This isn't the fucking point I meant to see. I meant to see a different yeah, one. Oh, God. I've, I've copied and pasted the wrong note. Oh, mate. That's tragic. Have I've, I done it? Well, while, you're, while, you're in, while you're enduring during this little production nightmare, though, <laughs> uh, I will, I will, take, I will uh, hazard my guess at your guitarist question. Go for it. Tom Morello. Absolutely right. Absolutely yeah. right, Tom Morello. You definitely didn't. I definitely didn't see you Google that on the webcam. You definitely didn't. My hands were up here the whole time. <laughs> your hands are in your pants the whole time. <laughs> okay, I can't. I can't find this fact. I found this really interesting fact about this. That's going to frustrate me. And it was. To no do one's going to believe that. I, that I just guessed that. No, no one's going to believe it. I'm, I'm going to make sure. Going to make sure of it. Uh, but that's Iron Man in, in a nutshell. What do we want to do? Do we want to mark these out of 10? Thumbs up, thumbs down quickly? Um, oh, yeah. I'll thumb up. I'll thumb up Iron, Iron Man. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you will, you dirty boy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
right? I've lost that train of thought. I can't find it. I, it was a really interesting fact. I'm going to keep scrolling when we get back. We'll, we'll circle back around. The next yeah. one I have was Iron Man 2. Now, as a film, what do you think of this one? Rubbish. You didn't like Iron Man 2? Oh, it was a... It, it, there's only a few movies. In Marvel's credit, there's only a few movies that this applies to. But mm-hmm. it's one of the movies that I just felt like I had to go through. Sure. Like, I, just, I was like, right, let's just get through this. I had a great time with this one. I really liked it. I, I there's for some good reason moments. I really there's, there's cool there's cool stuff in it, but well, it's so uninteresting and it's it, it's guilty of it's definitely guilty of universe building over storytelling. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, because you've got the inclusion of War Machine and Black Widow. This is the sort of their introduction to the MCU. Yeah. Why? But, but, why? Why is Black Widow there? Yeah, well, I, well, I think, I think, I think Black Widow has organically grown in, like Iron Man, a sort of B B list um, on the Marvel slate, but has organically grown through these movies to the point now where she has her own film coming. Well, she, she had hindsight, yes, yeah. but for Iron Man too, you're like, yeah, who's why do we care? A number of people were were supposed to be cast for that. I think even Jessica Jessica Alba and and and, uh, and the likes was. I had a list of people who were supposed to be playing it, but Scarlett Johansson did a great job. Um, one of the yes. cool points, one of the cool, so you said there's, a, there's some really amazing cool points in this film, uh, down to the music of it, Shoot to Thrill. I mean, how cool is that? Like, Boy, how cool was that introduction? Rubbish. Yeah, just that at the expo when he's flying through the, the air over, over, is it New York at night? The, the fireworks are going off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Bless you. I, I just think that's an I think that's an amazing start to the movie, just as as he as he lands and that 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 kind of like iron sound, that kind of that it's it's Blunk. like the the metal. What is it? The mallet hitting metal as he as he lands. Like it's that suit must weigh. Well, it does. There's the the great moment in uh, Iron Man One where after the test flight, where oh he, he falls through the floor, lands. Roof and he falls through two floors of his mansion and then yeah. crashes into the car. Yeah, and like does it from like not a great height as well. It's just a really funny moment. The suit itself it actually composes of four hundred and fifty separate pieces of metal as well, or separate pieces of of costume. So it's a, it's a hell of a suit, even you know behind the lines as well when they were assembling yeah. it on him. I think I think eventually they switched it to CGI. Yeah, I think a lot. Well, specifically for some of the nano pieces, it's all sort of motion capture on on. Uh, yeah. On, on Robert Downey Jr. Um, some of the, I, I think this sound, as a soundtrack, I personally don't think this is a great soundtrack, this film. I think when you go back yeah. through it, they, they took the rock element out of it. The rock almost is mostly missing. It, it does get brought back in on one of the pieces called Black Widow Kicks Ass. And this is the track that's played as she sort of, remember that famous scene where she's walking down the corridor and you see her throwing her electric gizmos and fighting all the guys. Yeah. And, and then she does that sort of thing where she pepper sprays the guy at the end as she's leaving, yeah, which like, I thought was really, really, really yeah. great. Um, but yeah, that, now, that, that's it, one of the... Well, who who uh, who composed the music for Iron Man Two? It's John Debney who did it. So he did the the Jungle yeah. Book, Greatest Showman. That that's sort of his background there. It's right. he's obviously picking up on a lot of the work that Ramen uh, did in, in the first Iron Man, but it's it's building on it. But I I don't think it really adds anything to it. I I didn't I didn't really. I mean, I've got a fact about no, it. Just like listening listening to it, like you know, it nothing really 
nothing really grabbed me. Not, not, not like, you know, you look at the Iron Man 1 soundtrack and you can comment on the use of rock sounds in the original soundtrack and stuff like that, but there was really nothing. I think it was very, yeah. Personally, I think it was it's a very generic easy one. Act. Yeah, generic Maybe. action, absolutely. Um, there's a couple yeah. of fun inclusions. So the, the song It Takes Two plays during Rhodey and Iron Man's fight in the mansion. Uh, it Takes Two actually is the song gets used during the Ant-Man and Wasp trailer as well so that's twice that song has been used in the mcu uh, the dj at that party where tony tony stark gets drunk and pisses in his suit is dj am so i don't know dj am i don't know i'm not familiar with his work but apparently he's a very famous dj but that was his last ever film or last ever sort of uh thing that he ever filmed before he died unfortunately so that was the last oh, thing that he did yeah so it's it's quite a notable scene when he's sort of in that mansion and he's stumbling around with it you know and he's shooting the champagne out of the sky uh, yeah. I think that's a re- I think that's a really great sequence. Um, but back to John Debney, who is the composer for this. Uh, here's a fun quiz question for you: How long do you think it took him to score this entire movie? Consid- now, considering on you, so you know a little bit about how long it probably roughly takes to do a film. But as we both agree, this maybe isn't the best scoring film. So, how long do you think maybe it took him? I'll give you a clue. It's not weeks. It's days. It's days. It took days. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. According to reports, it took four days to score Iron Man 2, uh, the soundtrack. And it, so what, I think that just... Was he busy working on other stuff? I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know. But I mean, that's... Maybe that's, he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't busy. That's exactly, why. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, as I said, it was... Uh, 2010 um some some amazing things in this movie some fun facts for you here so basically you've got the inclusion of of hammer is it justin hammer i I forget is the name of the the first name of him what's his first name hammer sam rockwell's character who's a fantastic character i love sam rockwell in this so much with the he he's great and obviously you've you've got um oh what's he called that plays whiplash uh mickey rourke who I think hey, I think he's fine. I think Whiplash is not particularly great, great villain. I, I don't think he gets a huge amount of uh, great press. No, but do you know what? Like, was it just me, or was the final boss battle a bit quick? Yeah, it was a very underwhelming. Yeah. So, so the, the, there's a reason behind why that was so quick. And actually, it's a good point you make, mate. So, what they did was they kill him with an explosion. But they, there was initially in the script, he didn't die because they wanted to potentially bring Whiplash back later on in the MCU. Yeah. So they kind yeah. of kept it open-ended. Uh, there was a few scenes that were deliberately taken out that kind of sh- definitely sort of showed his death. But I don't think his, it's a full on-screen death that he has. Uh, and that's no, kind of down to the fact yeah, that they, potentially were gonna, yeah, they were potentially going to bring him back, but they obviously haven't done. Uh, yeah. But I've well, got I mean, some... Not- yeah, but I I can't say I'd care too much about never seeing him again. No, I, but I mean the, the like I go back to the Hammer is I think the better villain for for a lot of reasons. But Sam Rockwell is so good in this role; like he is just yeah. perfect. It's uh, it hard was, to see him as a villain though because he is just completely inept at yeah. everything. But but it was so it was supposed to be Al Pacino that was actually uh, initially going to be playing that role. Um, is it? Sam, yeah, yeah. So it's a really interesting, and and the factory that they use. So there's a there's a special guest appearance of Elon Musk. The factory that they use. Oh, I know that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But the factory that they use for Hammer when he's testing the drones that he's building with um, Mickey Rourke and Whiplash, uh, that's actually SpaceX. That's Elon Musk's factory. 
that's oh, being wow. used there. Yeah, so, so, so obviously he's uh, he was involved in it more. And it's kind of nodding to the fact that a real-life version of Tony Stark is Elon Musk. Elon Musk yeah. must love that comparison. Every time someone says that, he yeah. must love it. It's a great interaction because obviously Elon Musk is uh, sitting at a table in Monaco, right? Yes, yeah, during the Formula One. Yeah, and it's a great interaction between him and Tony Stark because he kind of gets up and says hi to Tony and stuff. And he's, he's like, oh, I've got this really great idea for a thing. And then Tony is walking away from him and he says, well, you, you just send me the idea and I'll build, I'll, I'll, I'll build it for you. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, but you've got the Tesla Roadster appears in the first Iron Man before it was initially launched. Um, so yeah. it, the, the Elon Musk, I think, is, and Tesla have been sort of on the, on the peripheral of this yeah. movie. A lot more technology heavy, uh, this movie, but there was some also really interesting parts of this movie that, that obviously I like the whole piece with Justin Hammer showing off the technology and, and Tony Stark hacks into it. How outdated is that, that kind of glass screen phone? Remember in the first Iron Man where he's got the sort of slips, the, the side swiping phone and, and uh, in the courtroom sequence. I, I love that one. And he's portraying yeah, the screen. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you say that you say that's old school. We still don't have anything like that at the moment. No, no, no. I'm talking about the first phone in the first movie. Do you remember the one that he has that Tony Stark has? Go back and watch it. It's like one of the Sony Ericsson flip phones. It's really funny. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. is looking a little bit dated, but yeah, you're right. The glass one's much better. Uh, all I have yeah. finally on the notes is there's a retcon, famous retcon in this movie. Can you tell me what it is? A retcon. Yeah, very it's- famous little. It's a blinking you'd miss it scene that happens near the end of the movie during the sort of expo fight sequence with all the different things flying around and Tony's taking them out with a war machine. The inclusion of another MC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Character. Wait, 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 wait. I got it. I got it. The the kid with the Iron Man. That's uh, it. Yeah. Is uh, Peter Parker. That's it. Do you want to talk a little bit about that one just to give a little background on, on what? Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of it. I think uh, I think it, I think it's just one of those I think it's just one of those little facts that you know the, these producers and everyone know that the fans go mad for this whole shared universe thing and the like the planned longevity of it and it's so easy for them to just say oh Peter Parker's a science geek which means yeah. he was he was probably at the Stark Expo which was in Queens yeah where yeah. where Peter Parker's from yeah and it really helps believe that relationship that eventually they're going to have in the civil war mm. and spider-man homecoming so why don't we just make that kid just fling it in yeah uh, yeah just just say that it's true i mean the, the kid doesn't say anything you don't see his face he's wearing no. an iron man mask like who the hell cares like it's- i'm all for it i love it i like it when little yeah. things like that happen but obviously you can tell he didn't do it but it's nice it's a little sort of fan, fan service Excellent. i thought you were I thought you were about that. You were going to talk. You were meaning the little retcon of uh, changing the casting of Rhodey. Oh yeah. Well, there's a few recastings, but that's not the that's not the most criminal recasting. The most criminal recasting came from the next movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. which was but the Incredible we've, Hulk. We've made a mistake, Callum. Why have we made a mistake? Incredible Hulk came before Iron Man Two. Do you know what? We haven't, because I wrote Incredible Hulk notes and then Iron Man 2, but then when you gave me your rundown of MCU, you said Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2. Uh, you know, we're in this together. I say I we. I don't know if we are. Hang on. Hang on a minute. I'm going to blow, blow, blow this thing wild, wide open. Iron Man 2, 2010. If Incredible Hulk came out in 2009, I will eat my words. 2008. I'm going to have to eat all these words over here. There's a lot of words over here to eat. 
I'm going to be bloody full after this. <laughs> there's a lot of words. Okay, so let's, talking of retconning, let's retcon our list and go back let's to the Incredible Hulk. Podcast. But to, to just bookend Iron Man 2, thumbs? Uh, nah, it doesn't get any thumbs from me, mate. They're, they're yeah. Very lazy, I think, in terms of music and scoring. I think they really let, rest on their morals there. Yeah, but also the movie as well. Like, I mean, you know, regardless of if you like it or not, it's still quality-wise is at the bottom of the MCU pile. Well, it could be much worse. It could be Thor or Thor 2. Thor or Thor 2. <laughs> I'll take Thor 2. We'll be having words about Thor 1. Iron Man 2 is better than Thor 1. Not. (laughs) (laughs) Not. (laughs) Right, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that later. Uh, just before we move on, we've got Incredible Hulk. I don't want to dwindle on this one too much. This is the kind of the forgotten. This is the on Her Majesty's Secret Service, if you will, of the MCU. I like to think what it is. Think? It absolutely is because you know we've we've talked to, we've talked briefly about how it's you know it's a generic one, yeah. isn't it? It's it's another origins movie, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, 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 completely. And actually, I think Ang Lee's Hulk, the 2005 one, is way more interesting than this one. It's, Ang Lee's Hulk is quite good, actually. I, I remember really liking it at the time. I've not watched it in ages. I remember there's a fight with dogs at some point near a lake. It's um, weird. It's very, very dated. It's much closer tonally to like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Well, movies. that's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it is quite similar to this. Um, so basically, the composer for The Incredible Hulk, do you know who it was? I can't remember. Uh, Glaswegian-born Craig Armstrong, famous Craig for composing. Yeah, famous for composing Moulin Rouge and Great Gatsby. So he's <coughs> he's got a, a sort of a quite a few films to to his name. Um, I think the music's very good in the Incredible Hulk, though. If you watch it again, okay. it's got very good. The main theme is just called main theme. Has got the sort of monster vibes. It's like monster esque, like a kind of creation at night. And this the strings are very effective in the scoring. I implore you to go back and listen. Actually, there's some okay. really really great uses of of music in this one. Um, there's a so couple. You wouldn't, of... you wouldn't describe it as generic action music. music no, I music think there's. Actually, has purpose. And function. Yeah, I, I definitely think it does. I think a lot of thought went into the scoring of this one. The reason why I know it is because there's another piece of music called "Bruce Goes Home," which basically takes inspiration from the original Hulk theme elements, the original Hulk piano theme, where called the Lonely Man theme during the Lou Ferrigno piece of showing Bruce Banner kind of as a drifter wandering from place to place. It's a very famous piece of music on the, that's played on the piano, but it gets repurposed and used in a sort of more modern, updated version of it in this film. So very clever inclusion, actually, from, from Craig Armstrong, and a lot of sort of music and movie nerds like myself picked, picked up on that. Um, there's also some really soft pieces of music in here. The, the, the action pieces are quite generic, but much like I was yeah. sort of talking about before um, with, with the Tony Stark out the cave piece, there's another piece of music called The Necklace, which kind of shows the soft vulnerability of Bruce Banner. And it's between when him and Betty are, are, are giving the, the, the necklace back, Liv Tyler's Betty, and there's a kind of a piece through there. I think the music's actually yeah. well, very good. She's really phoning, phoning it in as the, love, as the love interest in that movie, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You know, so what? Who cares? Mm. Well, it's Thund- Thunderbolt Ross's daughter, isn't it? Is that that's who she is? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, she's not even she's not even mentioned ever again. In ever like, again, yeah. As 
unless I'm missing something. No, no, no. We- she's she's not. But I but I don't think for a second that they haven't tried to get her back in the same way that they got Jane Foster back for the the next Thor movie. No, but that's that, that's the point. That's the point I'm trying to make, though, is that even even when they couldn't fit Jane into a movie, like because Jane's not in the Avengers, is she? No, no. And and Pepper, and Pepper very quickly exits, doesn't she? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. she has one scene at the beginning of the movie, and then was like, right, what well, we've done her, like, you know, they they're still taking the time to say, oh no, we remember these characters. We're just going to put a throwaway line, yeah, because they, because Coulson said to Thor, he's like, oh, we've moved Jane Foster to a to a facility. You don't ever see her, but no, you don't, no, you don't. It, 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 it's it's something that I think they've Eddie Ross just like. It's no. some. Th- it's one thing that I think that no one really talks about about the MCU. Everyone goes on about how great the MCU is, but the one thing that they've, that I don't think they've done well at all, is the a lot of the characters' love stories and love interests have kind of just been a bit meh. Like apart outside of Iron Man and and, uh, and Pepper Potts and and Captain America, sort of Steve Ro- Steve Rogers and and, uh, and Peggy Car- is it Peggy Carter? That's Peggy that's Carter. Love- that's my favorite one. That's yeah, the one I. But, 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 I actually I actually believe that love story more than Tony and Pepper. Actually, I think uh, you're right. Yeah, I think it's there. But I, outside of those two, I think they kind of butcher all the other ones. You know, the kind of there's the Jane Foster Thor, but then there's the kind of the the Black Widow Hulk love thing that kind of never came to anything, and then there's the. Oh, yeah. But that's Age of Ultron, and that's quite low down. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only other one that kind of springs to mind, but I think it's a bit odd, is 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 uh, Scarlet Witch and Ultron uh, himself is is a kind of. I feel a kind of. I, I, quite, yeah. I quite like that one. Yeah. Although I think it's just because they did it in Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is very good that one. We'll deep fry yeah. anything for you. Uh, so basically, it was uh, Louis uh, Letier, who's the director, French director, who directed this one. I think he did a fine job. I don't think it's the best. Uh, I don't think it's the worst, actually. Rewatching it again, it's not actually that bad. Obviously, I think in my heart of hearts, we all would have preferred if if they just committed either with Ed Ed Norton throughout, which because Ed Norton's not bad. I think he's I think he's a bit of a dog of a bloke at times. He, but, he's um, not he's not bad, but the the Hulk that we the Hulk that we see in the Avengers which we'll get to, is so, so much better. It's so much more fulfilling, yeah. It's wholesome. It's so so much more fulfilling. Because, like, it knows... And I think it's the reason why they haven't tried to do a solo Hulk movie since... No, it's not. It's not, actually. The reason why they... It's because Universal won't let them. So so they have the rights to doing a solo Hulk movie because they tried with Planet Hulk. Uh, They wanted to do Planet Hulk. They tried very hard uh, before Thor 3, which is why Hulk was was brought into Thor 3 and that was combined with Hulk. While I have no doubt that that is a big factor or maybe the only factor really as far as Disney's concerned, I think I genuinely feel like as a character, I, I feel like Hulk works more in support than it than he um, does in a movie. Yeah, well I think I think this Hulk we I think this Hulk, that's right in saying. I think now I think now the character that he is, we we definitely we would the fans would flock to see a, a standalone Hulk movie. Would flock well, yeah. you know like a Hulk she or a she Profe- Hulk. Because he's Professor Hulk now, which he's means Professor he's Hulk. Like- yeah, but but I I think I think that they they've done a, they did a really good job with obviously they they but if you watch Planet Hulk, so Planet Hulk's a great a great sort of um, it's a great story. Yeah. Um, that that's a fantastic standalone story with Hulk. And um, just before we go on with it, some some fun little facts for you, some little tidbits. Um, 
Marvel, so the MCU, loved the scoring of this movie so much that they decided to release it as a two-disc soundtrack. I, I genuinely think it's a really, really good scoring piece. Uh, a two-disc soundtrack? Two-disc, yeah. It's two discs. The long one. Wow. Um, two things that maybe the other reasons why it's set aside the only mcu movie that has no post credit sequence or after the credit sequence or scene uh, and it's in fact the lowest grossing of all hold the on. mcu movies hold on that's not true it doesn't have a post credit there yeah I, there's a there's a scene in a bar where thunderbolt ross is having a drink and then tony stark comes in and has a drink with him i think that was added that wasn't at the time i don't think that was at cinemas when it was released i think that was added after I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but I know I what you're talking about. I definitely oh. know that. Okay, maybe 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 I'm wrong then. I don't know. I got that from I got that from IMDb. I believe. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm wrong then. No, I. You know yeah, you might, right. You might be. You might be right about it not having that scene on release. They might have. That might have been a little articular retcon that they just put in when they when the MCU was really starting. Yeah. I think I don't they did know. that. I don't know. But, yeah, maybe I'm wrong then. Oh, goodness. But that scene definitely exists. Yeah, like, it does. It definitely exists. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. But I remember having to YouTube that scene, which maybe says something about it, or maybe I just didn't wait to the end. Or probably the second one, I didn't go and see this one in the cinema because it's the lowest grossing. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember if I saw one in the cinema or not. Okay, mate. So that's me done the first two Iron Mans. I've done your Incredible Hulk. You want to pick up the slack here? Where do we go to Excellent. next? Excellent. Let's let's go to Asgard. Let's go to Norse mythology. Let's mm. go to Thor. I love this movie. Kenneth Branagh directed this one, didn't he? Kenneth Branagh directed this one, and his longtime collaborator Patrick Doyle okay. scored. It. And I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say this is some of my favorite mcu music and in wow. fact outside outside of alan silvestri's yes Aven his grand his grand avengers theme avengers scoring because i think alan silvestri is the sound of the franchise uh yeah i would agree i would agree um, but i'll talk more about that later i think patrick doyle's score for thor is the most romantic gorgeous uh -huh. and intimate it's just lovely and it fits the tone that they're going for so so well and everyone criticizes thor one for being you know a little bit silly you know it's it's presented very like shakespearean yeah and very it's not very relatable but i think that makes it charming i think that i think you know it makes it sort of magical. I mean, if you look at Thor as a character, no one has gone on more of a journey than him, really. Yeah. If you, think, you know, if you think back that there's that beautiful scene in uh, Infinity War where he's sat talking to Rocket Raccoon and he's kind of like, where's your family? Oh, they're all, you know, they're all dead. My mother's dead. My father's yeah. dead. All that stuff. He just, just looks absolutely defeated. And it, and, it, and it's such a journey he's gone on. Obviously, you know, Steve Rogers and, and Tony Stark have gone on their own internal journeys. But I think Thor has been through the most trauma and the most 
just the most abrasion has hit him from this whole MCU experience that he's he's been yeah. thrust, thrust into. Um, but yeah, yeah, if you cast your mind back, I, I'm personally not a huge fan of this one. I'll be honest. I know the soundtrack and the scoring's great. I do think that, but I don't. I'm not a big fan of it. And I think it is down to that whole high drama piece. I think he's got the inclusion of his all of his friends. I, I didn't like that. And I look back at it now, and I think it's a bit silly. Oh, as in all his Asgardian friends. Yeah, yeah. I look back at it now, and I think it's it's a bit Shakespearean almost. Well, yeah, but it's 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 quite funny. It's a little bit it's a little bit silly, and I think it came under a lot of flack because it was the first silly Marvel movie. And like you know, let's look forward to the Avengers. As you know, we can all we can all say is this monumental piece of cinema history. Nobody had ever done like a team-up movie like this before. Yeah. Right? The main bad guy of that is Loki. And I think you'll you'll, you'll agree that Tom Hiddleston does just a fantastically... Yeah, he's great. He's great. Tom Hiddleston's never really look. The character of Loki and Tom Hiddleston's never really taken me, and I think it's because he's grounded very much in the Thor movies. And out of all the MCU movies, out of all the central characters, the one that I didn't, I never really was like overly uh, was was Thor. I think people typically, it's kind of like it, it, it gets back to that old. It's those three, isn't it? It's Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. The kind of the three. Yeah. And it's and it for me it's kind of like it's that you you kind of fall into one of those three camps as your favorite. Um, uh, I disagree with that. I uh, don't like pigeonholing yeah, these things. I know, but I think it is. I mean, for me, then I reckon you'd probably then what put me in the Thor camp. I would say you're more of a Thor Thor guy than an Iron Man or Captain America, and it and it sings but, true because you love those movies. But yeah, because it's isn't because it's not true. Because my my all time favorite MCU movie is Winter Soldier. Yes, yeah, great one. That's a great one. And Civil War is really high up. Yeah, there as well. yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, Civil War so, is great. Yeah, I think it's I think it's unfair to like you know say that you're either one or the other. Mm, I don't know. I think I don't know. there's a lot of merits, and I think that um, when people try and dismiss Thor because it was the first one to be kind of a little bit silly and kind of out there and extra See, because I we have was... been grounded in reality a little bit with yeah. with Iron Man and things like that we, and we've enjoyed that gritty nature of it but you know they want to explore the silly and cosmic side of yeah in the universe as well and they needed they needed a portal for that and that happened to be Thor I think I think it's I think maybe maybe I'll rephrase it is that of the of Marvel Phase One, I think everyone identifies with one of those characters that drew them into, that made them want to see the Avengers. And for me, if it was Iron Man, definitely for my Iron Man, because yeah. there was because, but I I honestly couldn't have told you that I watched Captain America all the way through when the Avengers came out. So there was a few little plot holes in his character that I wasn't aware of. And the same could be said for Thor, right. whereas I was totally up to speed with Iron Man. And, and it was the character of Iron Man that brought me to the cinema to see Avengers. Yeah, fair. So that, fair. that's maybe where I'm coming from with it. Anyway, um, keep going. You know, Sorry the, last, the, the last point of defense I'll make for you know the tone and the direction that they went with Thor is when you have this Shakespearean high, high drama style, you get performances like... Anthony Hopkins as Odin. He's great. He is. He is very not good. 
how great is that overly dramatic speech when he when he banishes Thor? Yes, very, very good. Like, I, I do like him. And from, and from both of them as well, because Chris Hemsworth plays the, you know, the, that childish brat. Yeah. Really, really well before yeah. he goes on before he goes on his character development and I think it's really hard and I really believe the journey that he goes through in this movie as well. I don't think the character of Thor would have survived the same recasting that Incredible Hulk did or Rhodey did at this early stage. If you had to recast Thor after the first Thor movie, that would have been it. I genuinely think that would have been it. Because Chris, 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 you said there Chris Hemsworth plays the bratty child, and he is that. But then as he gets, as he matures through it, he kind of plays that goof, that lovable goofball, especially yeah. in the sort of, obviously, end game. You, you see that in full form when he's in the proper, um, when he's in, the, he's in the proper sort of the dude. Oh, bro, get up. bro Thor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he plays bro. it so well, how he's kind of transitioned yeah. from that child to like the teenager. Yeah, yeah, but... To give you a bit of background on the music of Thor, Patrick Doyle, another Scottish composer, yep. as I said, long-time collaborator with Kenneth Branagh. Some of his other famous movies have included Goblet of Fire, which I suspect... Oh, yes. that your favourite Harry Potter I music? I think it's my favourite oh. Harry Potter music. Yeah, I think so. We saw that one live, didn't we? We, we, we did. We Albert Hall to see. That we was did. amazing. And you, and you loved it. I remember. I, I did. I did. I remember before the end of the first half, though, my... God, I'd had, a, I'd had a few beers, a few laggers, and you know what it's like, you know, a few of them in your system and you've got to wait. Oh my goodness. I, I've never needed the toilet more. In fact, I tell you, I did once, I, I think I did damage once in Copenhagen when I held onto it for too long. <laughs> I couldn't stand oh God, up yeah, straight. Yeah, you've told that. <laughs> you've, told, you've told that story. But no, that was, that, was, that was really great. That was a really great experience. Yeah. And, and actually, if I can cast my best to that night, is uh, that when this podcast was born? That was, yeah. That was, the, that was the straw that brought the camels back when we went to see Goblet of Fire. And ah, it's all come full circle. Exactly. Yeah. Patrick Doyle, thank you very much. He also did Aragon, which is another like franchise that failed. But yeah, like, another one, another one. Yeah. He also did Murder on the Orient Express, which is a lovely, lovely score. Again, that's okay. another Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, yeah. Who, Quite like well, that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite ones he's done is a movie called Sense and Sensibility, which was directed by Ang Lee, and it's a Jane Austen. Is it Kira Knightley? No, that's uh, that's Pride and Prejudice. Pride of, yeah, that's Pride and Prejudice. Now, I grew up. I grew up in a house with sisters. Yeah, I've seen these movies. Yeah, have you seen these types of movies? I grew up in a house with brothers. Or a brother. <laughs> Maybe that answers your question. <laughs> no. I I think you should. Yeah. The music's really, the music's really good. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I, and and Ang Lee can do it can do anything, really. The only the only one that I can kind of closely compare it to was Little Woman that we saw obviously a few months ago for the oh, yeah, I yeah, can yeah, imagine yeah. it's probably that sort of soundtrack, that sort of scoring. Um maybe it's probably the closest thing compared. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that a lot. Kind of, yeah. It's 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 an inter- it's an interesting one. It's definitely a conversation for another time. But some of my favorite tracks on the Thor soundtrack, the main Thor theme, which is really, yeah, really really grand and yeah. huge or, or huge orchestrations, which is something that we've kind of been missing in the MCU up up until now. We've had a lot of exciting 
music and we've had a lot of big sounds and stuff, but nothing that's had the broad scale. If I had to conjure up an image for you, it's like the it's like the equivalent of like standing on top of a huge cliff and seeing and seeing just like a huge vista. Mm, right. Mm. Do you know do you know what I mean? Like you I can do. have like big and exciting, but like big and exciting doesn't necessarily mean broad. Do you yep. know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. And that's what I feel Patrick Doyle brings to Thor. Yeah. And there's broad brass. You've got the actiony ostinato strings which are go- which are going on. And in the track Thor kills the destroyer, which is definitely the big musically oh, climax. Yeah, yeah, climax. Yeah. When he when he gets his powers back, there's the biggest percussion sound you've 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 ever heard. And it's the huge massive bass drums which are bigger than bigger than you and me yeah 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 (laughs) and you're big (laughs) (laughs) and you're even bigger (laughs) (laughs) but uh, but the rhythms in it are so pronounced and they're not and they're not continuous they're quite uh, they're quite like elongated it's hard yeah it's hard to describe but it it's definitely a huge feature, and I really liked that. And again, it kind of plays into that over-dramatized Shakespearean side of it. Another mm. track that I really like is Forgive Me, okay. which, is, which is actually just, it happens just before that point in the movie, which is just pure strings. Yeah. Pure strings, and it's when Thor is communicating with Loki through the Destroyer and saying, you know, whatever I've done, to upset you and to make you do this i'm really sorry uh-huh. and i think it 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 builds the foundations of a really interesting hero villain relationship mm. between thor and loki because they're also brothers yeah they and, do they do have a great relationship the two of them actually they, they love each other they really they they really do love each other and i think when you especially in thor 1 when dramatically those moments happen the score really helps sell it yeah yeah like really helps sell it like that conversation is one moment also when loki falls into the abyss yeah into space that's an, that's another moment you know I, and you know the score really really I, sells I do, it. I do i do think the score does really sell you're not you're not wrong i do think this is definitely a two thumbs up um score for for me in yeah. terms of in terms of the mcu phase one scores nice yeah definitely for me as well shall we get on to the next one yeah go for it mate what have you got for me yeah so we finally come to the other central character in the mcu captain america right yeah so captain america now musically i feel like this kicks off this kicks off the marvel cinematic universe sound okay because one of the things that the mcu does really well is there are quite quite a lot of the movies don't require prior knowledge right there's or maybe you'll miss 10 percent of of a movie because of things that you haven't seen before sure sure yeah and i think apart from the big team-up movies apart from the avengers movies yes you'd watch most of the marvel output without prior knowledge Uh uh-huh and i think i would say so 
and, and I think that's a deliberate thing because you have a lot of different directors mm-hmm. and you've got a lot of different composers as well. And, uh, you know, especially in the film's music, you can find the biggest differences in tone and style. Yes. Yes. Alan Silvestri is important because he ends up scoring the Avengers movies. Yeah. Well, I don't think he did the first one, though. Yeah, he did. Did he actually? Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. I, did, I thought I thought he did that. But I know I know that he did, obviously, the, the final two. I mean, we'll get, Avenger, we'll well, get to them. Avengers Assemble, he did. Age of Ultron, he did. Oh, okay. And Endgame. But before he did any of those ones, he did Captain America. He did the Winter Soldier as well. I think he did all the Captain Americas. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't do Winter Soldier and he didn't do Civil War. Those two were mm-hmm. Henry Jackman. Oh, I see. Okay, interesting. Because they they told totally oh, he was a perfor- he was a performer, but not a but not a composer for it. Yeah, so, but they those two sound very very different to the first Avenger. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. I, I actually very much enjoyed the parallel, and I kind of think it's that it, that it's a bit of an accident that the first Captain America movie is called Captain America: Colon. The first Avenger. The first Avenger. And Alan Silvestri, the composer for the first Avenger, is kicking off that Avenger. Yeah, sound. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I, I think it's a coincidence, but it's still quite a nice coincidence by any yep. stretch. Nice. Yeah. But Alan Silvestri is kind of Hollywood royalty. You know, he did Back to the Future. Yes, yes. Yeah. I love that yeah. one. Very famous. Forrest Forrest Gump, which I know yeah. is one of your... Do, 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 do. So yeah. him and Robert Zemeckis obviously worked together quite closely for a lot of their yeah. films. Who framed Roger Rabbit as well? Don't know that one. <laughs> Can't sing you that. <laughs> uh, have you seen it? Uh, I, uh, no. <laughs> oh my God, watch it. Oh my God, watch it. I know it. I should watch it. I know I should watch it. Oh, I, ooh, I, should, do, I, sh- I should do it on this podcast. <laughs> Who framed Roger Rabbit would be a really good one, actually. Anyway, keep going, mate. <laughs> For the future. Well. He also did Predator and all that. Um, two two Oscar nominations. Mm-hmm. Nice, one, yeah. One, one for Forrest Gump and one for uh, Best Original Song for Polar Express, which is another really lovely movie. Interesting, nice. Actually as well, which is really good. But he is not the main... Okay, cut this bit. Um... So yeah, it kicks off kicks off the franchise sound. One of my favorite parts musically in Captain America is actually the song, you know, the Star Spangled Man with yeah, the Flag. Yeah, 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 Star Spangled Man. Yeah. yeah. Now, that wasn't actually written by Alan Silvestri. That was written by Alan Menken. Now, what does the name Alan Menken mean to you? Uh, I don't know, but I, I do recognize it. I do recognize it. Uh... Alan Menken was was he an old was he an old director of the an old Captain America series or something? No. No. Menken is a man who has won more musical Oscars. Is the only man that has won more musical Oscars than John Williams. Oh really? I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Wow. Okay. He is the main scorer and songwriter for pretty much all of Disney's renaissance music we're talking aladdin beauty and the beast little mermaid just 
Oh, everything. I didn't know that. Okay, interesting. And so most of his Oscars are for original songs, but he also has a few score ones as well. And he has a lot of nominations as well. Not as much as John Williams, but still a lot. But he wrote the song, The, the Star Spangled Man with the Plan, which I think you'll agree is such a big feature in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I can see that kind of Disney kind of side of it. It is quite Disney-esque, isn't it, really? It is. It, it really is. And it... It's one of the reasons I really like this movie so much is it, it plays on the propaganda kind of style of Captain yeah. America. It's, but when I said that I was a bit apprehensive about seeing Captain America. Yeah. And that I was like, oh yeah, Captain America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, It doesn't Arsene take Strike, itself too seriously. All, all that, yeah, all that patriotism and all that. What we actually find in this movie that is that the movie takes that and kind of makes a bit of a mockery of it. Yeah, exactly. We know, we know that you were expecting this kind of hokey nonsense, but actually, here's a really compelling story. Yeah. And, yeah. And as far as, like, the musical direction that the rest of the movie goes in, I, I kind of get, I really do get a big Saving Private Ryan vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can see what you, you know that. that You know that famous John Williams track, Hymn to the Fallen? I do, yep which is in Saving Private Ryan. Yep, I yep. think a lot of parallels to be drawn between that and the Captain America theme. Sure. Which we hear, obviously, a lot in this movie, and then we hear it, again, quite a bit in all of Alan Silvestri's other movies that he's contributed to this franchise. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of my report on nice. uh, Captain Captain America, I would, I would give it two thumbs up. Yeah, I think, I think so too. I think it's a very good one there. Um, let's just let's just steamroll straight into the the cap off the the, the cap and the the jewel, the crown and jewel, whatever the phrase is. Gotta knob that phrase up completely. The jewel and yep. the crown that is Avengers, the first Assemble. Avengers, Avengers Assemble, <laughs> Avengers Assemble. I forget. Where is it called and where? Because it's called it's called something different here. Than yeah, in so in the UK it's called Avengers Assemble, uh, and in America I think it's just called the Avengers. Called the- yeah, right. Okay. Um, but yeah, we yeah. got Avengers Assemble. Yeah, we're and we're we're right. We're right. Make sure, yeah, make sure you know that we're right. All these American characters that we're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, right, right off the bat, we have the Avengers theme. It's it's fantastic. So this is where it Which, came from, wasn't it? Yes. The, the, yeah, yeah. It's the first instance of it. It's Alan Silvestri's and literally just, fuck yeah. Yeah, it is a great piece of music. It is a fantastic piece of music, actually. I, re- I really do enjoy it. And obviously, it it's it's grown and grown and grown. And we're just talking about phase one, obviously, I understand today. And we will get to Endgame, where we get that. Portals. I, I mean, portals. <laughs> That one track sends shivers down my spine every time I hear it. For 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 what that represents, I mean, that was the pin. That is, I think, in one in one of many reasons, the pinnacle of music in movies. Port- yeah. Portals. I mean, it, it, it's 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 a it's an instant modern. Anyway, we're not talking about that. But yeah. Alan Silvestri, you're right. But this is where that road started. Almost. Well, obviously, first Avengers. You said first, but yeah, it, absolutely. But. It, it builds on the sound world from Captain America, or at least that's my perspective. A lot of the score, it uses the same instrumentation and the same use of the the same use of the orchestra and the melodies and are all constructed in a very similar way. 
yeah, I, yeah, I, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about as well. And they, and they do, they kind of drop the, they, they drop a lot of the Iron Man-esque sort of electronic, rocky sort of stuff. Obviously, they, they do the whole, I think it's shoot to thrill that they play again when he flies into Germany. Yeah, they do, um, yeah. When he comes in there, which I think was a, a great little inclusion. That's a nod to the music of Iron Man, but they very much drop that whole Iron Man yeah. uh, music. I mean, and, that, that sound is very personal to Tony Stark and Iron exactly. Man. Exactly. This is a team up. This is a team up movie, and what a team up movie! They really needed to put everything out there. Yeah, they, they, they really went ham on this movie, and they, I and I love it for it. There's also there's a couple of sort of inclusions. Obviously, when uh, when Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk, there's a couple of different cues that draw back to the kind of monster music vibe that uh, that was created for the Incredible Hulk theme. Yeah. Um, well, this. Uh, the scene where he turns into the Hulk for the first time is that I was re-watching it the other day and it's actually quite, quite scary. Yeah, well, like, that's what they, that's what they're saying. Like, if, if you watch it, it is. It, it's, it's the same piece of music that they play for the gas in the first piece of music. I forget the name of the track, but where he's kind of coming out of the gas in the university buildings um, in the first, you know, yeah. the, the, the sort of bridge, the glass bridge where he's inside yeah. there. But you're right, it is quite a scary scene, isn't it? Is it is quite scary. It's like he's, he's stalking Black Widow through the innards of it ship and it feels claustrophobic it does and yeah I, and i think if you feel claustrophobic in the presence of something like the hulk like you'd shit yourself wouldn't you? yeah you would yeah you would I, I there's a great line in that whole fight sequence when they've got the, the carrier there where um captain america and uh, tony stark are trying to restart one of the engines and they they get to it and he kind of jumps captain obviously tony starts flying around and can be quite quite mobile and captain america's quite sort of I guess not not quite as 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 built for that situation as Tony Stark, which is really great. They kind of show how he's yeah. quite vulnerable to that situation, and he's just yeah. jumping around between things. Something that Tony Stark could make short work of, but Tony Stark is relying on him, and he gets to the control panel, and he can hear him on the, the speaker system, and he goes, "Okay, Steve, what do you see?" And he goes, "It seems to run on some sort of electricity." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you're not wrong. Well, you're not wrong. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that line. Yeah. I mean, to be fair to the guy. He grew. He grew up in the forties. Like what's he I know, do? I know. But it's and it's but it's that. I just love that. It's that moment where Tony Stark goes. There's so many scenes in the MCU that have Tony Stark just kind of. Uh, we talked about how he just looks off into the distance a lot. But there's so many scenes in the time where he interacts with another character and he's just kind of like, ah, you guys. Are, you know, what I mean, it's like that. Obviously, in Infinity War, when he first comes across the Guardians of the Galaxy, and and he yeah. goes. What's the plan? And goes to take names and kick asses or whatever. And Mantis goes, and he kind of just goes, "Fucking hell, I'm on the planet and I'm, and I'm with a bunch of more. And like, I'm gonna die. like that. That kind of just yeah. exhausted. Like, oh my god, like these guys are just fucking idiots. I love, this, I love those. This seasons. movie, this movie has some of like my favorite quippy one-liner dialogue. Yeah, and I will say, and I will say that most of them belong to the king of quotations. Sammy J. Sammy J's great in this one as Sammy well. Yes, yeah, so good. A uh, couple, couple of highlights um, include: I recognise that the council has made a decision, but given that it is a stupid ass decision, I have decided to ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> he is great. We haven't talked a lot about Nick Fury. He's quality. So he is so good, especially in this one. This more than any other. Marvel movie is his movie. I feel like yeah. he has them. 
effectiveness. In, I mean, in he, obviously, Captain Marvel is another one where he kind of gets a lot of a lot of his time. But I mean, I I think you're right. I think this is the this is really showcases Nick Fury is the commander. He's well, the one in charge. It's peak, it's peak Sammy J. It's, yeah. it, it's peak Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. And I love when Loki turns up at the beginning, and he's like, "I am Loki of Asgard," and and uh, and uh, Nick Fury's like, "We have no." We have no quarrel with your with your people, and Loki goes, an ant has no quarrel with a boot, and then he just turns around and goes, "You planning on stepping on us?" <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. That that really is peak. But yeah, there's a really interesting just to link into Loki. There's actually a really interesting musical moment in the Avengers, which as isn't actually original scoring at all. Okay. And it's in Germany. Can you do you remember oh, this? It's a sequence when he's is it is it some is it something when he's telling everyone to bow to him? It's before that. It's before that. It's when he Oh, is it the turned, opera piece or something? I I don't It's it yeah. It's in the German opera house and the piece of music that that is playing is the first movement of Schubert's 15th string quartet in A minor nicknamed Rosamond. Okay. And it's and it's quite interesting because uh-huh. the original theme for this Rosamond string quartet was from a song that Schubert wrote years earlier and this which is the melody that you hear in this Avengers movie and it's it's like a musical scoring of a of a play by Helmina von Chesney uh-huh. who I who I'd never heard of but basically Rosamond was a child of a king who was taken as who was kind of stolen away in the middle of the night and raised by farmers okay and she finds out later in life who she really is and she ah, plots and that's, that's and she plots to take her throne back now who does that remind you of that is low that is loki that is loki that's great now I've got yeah. one back for you mate I've got one back remember how I said that I couldn't find my final note for iron man Oh yeah, I found it. I found it. I, I, it was it was hidden in another section of my notes on my phone. So this is another example where classical music is being used to portray what we're seeing on screen, just like that. At around fifty-eight minutes in Iron Man One, Obadiah Stane plays on the piano a musical piece written by eighteenth-century composer Antonio Saleri. Saleri is best known as the Salieri. Salieri, pardon. Salieri is known as the jealous rival of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, and he uh, and was said to have murdered Mozart. Although historically, records have proven that, on the contrary, both had collaborated on and promoted each other's work on several occasions. But that yeah. serves as an appropriate parallel of Stark and Stain's relationship in the film. So definitely done. So, so, but anyway, sorry. Just just using that as a kind of comparison to what you're saying with the whole the opera with Loki. It, it's it's wonderful how these little Easter eggs are being hidden in these movies that no one really yeah. is talking about. Yeah, and it's incredibly niche. Like nobody nobody really notice, notices that. No, but it's 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 incredible. Well, I mean, I no you, but like we didn't notice that. This is something that we had to like look up and yeah yeah. Like research, like I knew the name of the piece. I knew, you know, that Rosamond String Quartet is a piece that I personally played before. But the significance of that piece versus how it's used in the movie isn't something necessarily that a lot of people 
a very small number of people might, but yeah. most people would just would just be like, oh, that's just a nice pe- that's a nice piece of music, and it's classical, and he's in an opera house, mm, bish yeah. bash bosh. But it, I really like the for these movies, and it's always in the really good movies that they take the time for everything to have meaning and stuff. <laughs> anyway, I um, I think we're we're done here. Are we? Is that is that? If anything, you've got any other notes on on uh, the final Avengers and the music in the movie? That's no, no. That's that's kind of hit it on the head. Well, there. I mean, that's a that's a nice. That's definitely a two thumbs up for the the other Avengers, uh, the first Avengers movie. There, I think there's some great music being used. Great musical movies. Obviously, there's one dip off. I think Iron Man two that that's just really likes the side down from Phase one. But Phase yeah. one's a great starter, I think, and actually probably one of the most appropriate outside of some of the more obvious choices. You know, the Guardians, etc., which we'll get to. Those, yeah. obviously. They're they're probably yeah. need a special of their own. They probably couldn't be used in Phase two or whatever. They're used in favorite one well did you want to gold silver and bronze gold silver uh, bronze okay go for it gold silver bronze let's do it are we doing movies or music uh music and movies let's just let's just do it as a complete package let's just, let's just put it into one well my bronze uh-huh because we'll go we'll go that way i'm gonna give yeah. the tricky one yeah it's my, tricky. Bro- my bronze i'm going to give to Captain America. Me too. My bronze is Captain America as well. Excellent, excellent. Your my silver? Sil- my silver is going to go to Thor. Okay, that's not mine. My silver is going to go to the Avengers. Yeah. Going so to your Avengers. gold is going to go to... My gold is going to go to the Avengers. Yeah, I- I'm going to have to give my gold to Iron Man 1. It's, yeah, uh, I think they're all just fin- the, the, just fantastic movies. I think the obvious ones have been missed out for the for the probably the fact that they're crap movies, whether they've got good soundtracks yeah. or not. Uh, Hulk being yeah. one good soundtrack, crap movie. Iron Man two, shite all over. Shite all over, <laughs> but not as shite as Thor two. <laughs> oh God, we'll get there one day, I'm sure. Excellent. Well, that's, that's that's almost the that's almost the next one because obviously I've just finished. Oh, oh, I've just finished the avengers which means i'm about to start phase two watching which means the first two movies i have to watch are iron man 3 and thor 2 Best luck, and, man. and my god those those two are at the bottom of the barrel iron man iron man 3 is not that bad i quite like oh, it not that good either man. it's got eiffel it's got eiffel 59 i'm blue double d double die in it with eiffel 45 i forget the name of that band <laughs> that nineties classic. Enforcing that we're in the nineties. I lo- I like to that's how it starts that one. Excellent. <laughs> Moving forward. Yeah, you got anything to? I um, do. I just, I just on the, just very quickly on the MCU. Uh, so the new MCU, MCU release date <coughs> kind of just been announced. I'll start with. Uh, I don't know if we'll, we'll put these in order. I'll try and get them in order. So obviously, Black Widow was the next one to be slated. Um, it's now been postponed to sixth of November, twenty twenty. Obviously, around yeah. the same sort of time as No Time to Die. Uh, I think that was quite a careful decision that they made. I, I'd like to think that by November, the cinemas will be packed again. Uh, but 
God knows what's happening exactly. I'll be, I will definitely be there. Well, I was thinking this actually before we go on, right, with this list. Whatever movie, there's going to be one movie that's going to that's going to do this, right? Because when everyone is told everything's open again, you can go out, and obviously it's not going to be as clear cut as that. But there's going to come a time where the announcement is you can go back to cinemas. Okay, the yeah. movie that is in cinema that week, regard. I mean, you could you could have you 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 could have had. Fucking Fast and Furious twenty football. Well, actually, that's a big movie. What what's what's a what's a movie that you could put in there that typically wouldn't skulk out fans to get to, but because it's there at that pure premium uh, sort of real estate, as it were, of of cinema experience, that you're going to get everyone to it. Like you like you could you could have had. Go on, Alex. What could you have had? You, you well, New Mutants. Uh, they bloody deserve it, don't they? They knew it was bloody. I know. What a poor movie. But you could have had like you could have had the emoji movie too being released, and people will probably still go and see it because it's that time people just want to get to a cinema again. They've not been in so long. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that could be it. Could be November time and Black Widow. I mean, I, for whatever reason you think that movie's going to kill. That movie's going to absolutely kill. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. That following movie on is. from that, the Eternals is going to be on the twelfth of February, twenty twenty one. Shang-Chi has been pushed to May 7th, 2021. Doctor yeah. Strange 2 is going to be at the end of the year. So 2021 is going to be a busy year. Doctor Strange 2 is the 5th of November. So that's pretty much a year and a, and a day behind Black Widow. Uh, the uh, for Thor Love and Thunder is going to be 28th of February, 2022. And Captain yeah. Marvel 2 is supposed to be the 7th of July, 2022. So that's the Hollywood yeah. Reporter that's come out with, with those films there. So as you said, the, the, the predictions of the next couple of years for Phase 4, Phase 5, Phase 6, yeah. you know, they're, 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 uh, they're not being halted by this global pandemic, as it were. Yeah. The, one, the ones that I'm really looking forward to out of that list are The Eternals, because that is brand spanking new. Like, yep. I... No idea what what that's going to be about or yeah. what for characters we already know. I'm also very much looking forward to Thor: Love and Thunder again because yeah. Taika Waititi love him as a filmmaker. Yeah, we've got Jane and, Foster making their and, and also Jane Foster, but as Lady Thor, like she's okay. going to get Thor's powers at some point. That's going to be really interesting to yeah. see. Personally, I'm really excited for Shang Chi. I think that's going to be a really, really yeah. great movie. I, I, I personally think that that one's um, that one's probably the top of my list of ones that I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah. But also, Doctor Strange two as well because I oh, feel like yeah. it's it's feel like Doctor Strange two could be a real vehicle to really mess up the universe. Yes, in- you're right. Well, it's the multiverse of madness, is what it's called, isn't it? In yeah. fact, I'd forgotten about that. I think the first, the first Doctor Strange didn't capture, didn't didn't absolutely capture me. I think it falls into the category of Thor for me. Doctor Strange and Thor are quite similar, I think, in person, in sort of superhero esque manners. Maybe there's a little, obviously, subtle differences between the two of them. One being a, a god. <laughs> but I never, I never really, I never really flocked for 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 Doctor Strange too, uh, for Doctor Strange, the first Doctor Strange. But I will be there for Multiverse of Madness. Who, who, who are you kidding? We're going to be there for all of them. We're going to be there for all of them, aren't we? Got, yeah, they've got us now. They've definitely got us now. Uh, but that's yeah. me for moving forward. Anything from you? Yeah, well, just a very interesting thing happens. It's an upcoming Disney movie by the name of Artemis Fowl. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Has been removed completely from 
an upcoming cinema slate and they're just going to put it straight onto Disney Plus. Interesting. So this is this is obviously a, a great talking point uh, for a lot of people. I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of uh, upcoming films, production companies have had to have this very serious conversation of, right, do we cut our losses and not postpone our movies and not try and, you know, c- cut production and just stick it on a streaming platform? Uh, it's interesting that you said it's Disney that own it because Disney, having just freshly relaunched Disney Plus, they have a stage at the moment. They're kind of in the limelight. And, uh, but obviously, the risk that you take is that you. I think potentially you're going to lose half of the half of the half of the uh, the the um, the money that you would probably have made of roll the dice with with cinemas and and theatre Well, the thing, about, the thing about Artemis Fell is it, it's not had a great publicity campaign up till now. Okay. A lot of the trailers because I read the Artemis Fell books when I was much younger. It was a a teenage a teenage book series. And so a lot of people, a lot of people have also read those books, and it comes under the same category as well, Aragon, which I yeah. already mentioned. Yeah, yeah, Merlin, per- Percy Jackson. Yeah, you remember those movies? Also, Dar- Darren Shan tried to have a like a Darren Shan movie. Those were popular. Stormbreaker, the Alex Ryder series. Stormbreaker, yeah. Um, things like that. Things Anthony that Horowitz that wrote those haven't worked. Thing and all these things that we mentioned are things that haven't worked on screen so far. Yeah, Artemis Fowl is very much looking like it's gonna do that. It's directed by Kenneth Branagh and it's scored by Patrick Doyle. If you okay, very good. Yeah, very yeah. appropriate. But the trailers, a lot of readers of the books have said this does not seem like Artemis Fowl. This does not seem like the character that we've read about and would love and so and and frankly it's a property that the only people that care about it from before release are the people that have read the books right yeah yeah because otherwise why would, otherwise why would you care and so the only people that are commenting it on it are people that know the source material and they're basically saying we're not sure about this uh, and so disney, so i think disney are making a smart business decision as well as the covid-19 decision by saying, you know, there's a chance that this might not actually do very well. So yeah, but then, just... but I never read those uh, books. I never read those books. But I mean, you know, it might bring in a new, different audience by doing it this way. Maybe there was a reason why I didn't read them. And I, I also thought well, the book covers always used to throw me up. Do you remember how the book covers were all like shiny? Do you remember the yeah, front covers of the books? Yeah. yeah. I think the, the the one parallel that I could maybe draw to this, which is slightly similar, was the series of unfortunate events. Now, that was the book series that I read growing up. I loved the series of Unfortunate Events yeah. books. And obviously, very successfully had a Netflix series, um, I think last year and the year before, for sort of series one, two, and three. They were fantastic did you, books. Pardon? Did you, did you finish it on Netflix? Oh, I loved it. I thought they were great. I thought they were yeah, really, really good. I thought um, Neil Patrick Harris in particular was yeah, so he, good. Yeah, he was a great Count Olaf. He was a great Count Olaf. But, that, but that's probably a good example of where that was done properly. Excellent. Well, yeah. I'll keep I'll keep my eyes out for that. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely I'll definitely be watching it because I like everyone else. I've got Disney Plus now, so. And thanks to you, I have it too. <laughs> Do you? News to me. <laughs> no, we need to get that sorted after the show. Remember, remember you said. Remember you said. <laughs> we said we'd get the multi-screen. I've got my fake passport ID, which is Alex Casson, and just your face with my information. Oh no, my face, but your information. There's no way that anyone believe would believe that you're me. <laughs> well, I'm growing my beard out now because of it. You've Actually, inspired yeah. me. You've inspired me. 
it's definitely not for the fact that uh, I'm growing my hair, so I may as well grow my beard. Yeah, exactly. Everyone is. I'm um, so looking forward to when I can go to the barber. Oh my god! Well, I'm. I'm. Uh, it's every day as ticks by. I'm thinking more and more that I might shave my head. And it's not. I, I had to. I had to brace this to my team during one of our our engineers' morning Skype calls. That uh, if I do suddenly shave my head, it's not because I've gone mad. It's because I'm never going to get this opportunity to take a buzz like a a, a a shaver to my head ever again. So I may as well capitalize it. on it. I know. Yeah. I'm really thinking about it. I'm really. If if I, I know if I want. I know Maddie. Maddie hates the idea of it, so I probably won't. Nah, nah, nah. Do it. Then take a picture and put it on the Facebook group. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, also, you gotta go, for, gotta go for the upside down head look. The beard. Oh stays. yeah, with the beard and the, the, yeah, beard. the beard. Yeah, that stays. would be quite good. I I cannot picture myself with it, and I've, and it's gonna be one of those things where as soon as I do it, I'll go, ah, it looks all right. I'll try and convince myself, and I'll go, what am I talking about? I look terrible. I look absolutely ridiculous. I don't have the body or the frame or the jawline to pull this off. I look, I look like I look like a wormy boy that's just been in a fucking Russian prison camp for four years and has just escaped. That's what I look like. Also, also you might not get it, get it back, mate. I, I see that receiving receiving hairline. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> I think it's just a Windows peak, but I don't think it's receding. Don't tell me that. I, wor- I do genuinely worry about that. Like, there's not many things that oh, genuinely scare me, but it's losing my hair as one. Um, just because yeah. I don't have the facial features or body to pull off being bald. Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, this has been a bloody long episode. I'm going to have to do a lot of editing of this one, but anyway. I, I, can't, see the, I can't see the clock from my end, so I've got no idea. <laughs> Uh, that's the show. Uh, thank you very, very much for listening. Alex, what do we do? What do they have to do? Uh, go on to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review and maybe a little blurb if you fancy uh, typing something in support, encouragement, or even criti- critically, as long yeah. as you're not too mean, you know, because, yeah. you know, I can't, my fragile psyche can't handle that. No, it can. It, def- it definitely can. Like, and I can't. You know me. Like I've just said, I can't shave my own head. I can't even make that decision. So, you know, one one poor uh, criticism. You know, that's going to be it for me. Pro- I'll probably shave my eyebrows too. Wax Maybe. them probably. Oh Oof, God. I know, right? Um, the- but we're also on Spotify as well. Yep. So, and the email and- is. And the email is motionspod at gmail dot com. Nice, fantastic. Do you know what you're doing next week? Nope. I did know. It's come and it's gone. I said it. Oh, I do. I've, I've remembered again what I'm going to do. I've remembered right. it, but I'll, uh, I'll text it to you. We'll have to have a phone call and chat about it, I'm sure. Yeah, we, yeah, we will. Excellent. Okay, thanks very much for listening, guys. Goodbye. All right, guys. Ta-ta. Mm-hmm.